Filthy Henry and the Impossible Victim, Chapter 12. Shelley watched from the apartment living room window as Trent and Filthy Henry walked down the street. The fairy detective, for as long as she had known him, never gave up without a fight of some description. Even if it was an embarrassing result for him when the dust had settled and all that violence had ceased. She had seen him try and argue with a caught sea about how to best catch a mouse using cheese. This had resulted in the caught sea lashing out with her claws and slicing Filthy Henry along the nose. So, to see him just walk off after being falsely accused of murder was shocking. They had never discussed backup plans in case situations like this occurred. Shelley had no idea who his lawyer was, or even if the fairy detective had one. If he did, Shelley hoped it was not a fairy, because that was as good as having no lawyer at all when it came to mortal law. She turned around, walked towards the door and gathered up their coats on the way. Trent had been partnered with Downey, meaning with any luck, she could get Filthy Henry back out and on the case within the hour. Unless Filthy Henry did something stupid, or even just something in character. When it came to bad manners and being a general all-round grouch, there was nobody better than the fairy detective. Shelley stopped outside the apartment door as she closed it and thought about the fairy detective for a second. Given how he tended to treat people on a good day, the chances were fairly high that he would probably have annoyed Trent already. With that thought, she ran down the rickety stairway. As cells went, it was a cell. No more and no less. The stereotypical image of a stained mattress and lines scratched into the wall like some simple calendar system were all missing. Which, if he was being honest, made Filthy Henry feel a little cheated. If he was going to be in a prison cell, the least the cell could do was look as the fairy detective expected one to look. In fact, the only sign that anybody had left their mark in the tiny room was a little message etched into the doorframe on the right-hand side. It had been scraped into the wood using something with a bit of an edge to it and read, Deck was ear. This was one that always puzzled Filthy Henry. The word was hardly taxed the brain to spell. It was short enough as it stood, yet the lesser educated masses all seemed to enjoy spelling it incorrectly as if this was somehow really sticking it to the man by not conforming to a simple spelling. Dropping the H from here was just the height of laziness. There was no excuse for it. Trent had booked Filthy Henry himself, passing this off as a nice favour for the overworked desk sergeant on duty. Go and have an early dinner, Trent had told the man. Without needing to be asked twice, the desk sergeant had left, allowing Trent to enter his so-called evidence and assign a free cell to be Filthy Henry's abode for the foreseeable future. The little metal flap in the cell door dropped down and a pair of eyes peered in at the fairy detective. What the hell are you doing in there? Filthy Henry looked up from the cell bed and smiled at the eyes. Well, Downey, the fairy detective said. I just figured I should see how the other half live. It's been about two decades since I was last in a cell, and I wanted to know if they'd improved much over the years. You couldn't pluck some of your feathers off for me by any chance. They seem to have left me with no pillow. Downey's eyes narrowed as he stared through the slot at Filthy Henry. You know I have a good mind to leave you in there until you learn some basic manners. Well, you'd have to explain why I was in here for a few years then, Filthy Henry said, lying back down on the bed. 
Your little recruit did this, by the way. He decided that it would be fun to mess in the fairy world again. O'Shea did this? Why? Sure, he was mind-wiped. What reason could he have for arresting you? Filthy Henry shrugged. I don't know. Either the wipe didn't take, or somebody reminded him about things they shouldn't have reminded him about. Bottom line is, he arrested me, and is using a paint-covered knife as his evidence linking me to the murder of Mirch. Well, no, that isn't good. It means somebody's in breach of the rules. All to keep you busy. Hang on, I'll go get the key from the desk and let you out, Downey said, closing the slot up. I suppose I'll just wait here, Filthy Henry called after him. Pierce Street Garda Station is situated, as the name would suggest, on Pierce Street. Rather, it is on the corner of Pierce Street, right where College Green and Townsend Street all intersect. The main entrance to the station faces one of the side gates of Trinity College, a fact that most lecturers in the university hoped would instill a sense of decency into the student body as a whole. If you stumble out of the gates half-drunk, only to see a beacon of law and order in front of you, maybe you would think twice about acting the fool after twenty pints too many in the student bar. Of course, as generally happens with such ideas, the opposite effect occurred. Due to limited parking facilities, most of the Garda had taken up the bad habit of treble parking outside the station and simply leaving their handbrakes off with the car in neutral. This is done so their fellow officers of the law can easily push cars back and forth in order to unblock their own vehicles at the end of a shift. Sadly, such a thoughtful gesture is common knowledge among the student body and has resulted in many a drunken student partaking in a giant-sized game of Tetris, with the blocks being cars that get rolled about. As Shelley climbed up the steps that led to the station door, she smiled briefly at fond memories of playing that very same game with her college boyfriend. Shelley entered the station, her shoes squeaking on the black and white tiled floor, and walked up to the semicircular wooden desk on the left. There was nobody behind it, only a closed door with a frosted window pane that presumably led to some Garda-only parts of the station. Set into the desk was a little buzzer. A sign beside the button indicated a single press would bring some assistance. She placed her thumb on the button and pressed down continuously, causing a shrill bell to ring from the other side of the frosted glass door. Through the tinted window, Shelley could see the silhouettes of people moving about. One of the silhouettes approached the door. It opened and Trent O'Shea stepped out, swiping at her hand so that she took it off the buzzer. Are you blind or something? he said, tapping the little sign. It says press once. I did. The sign neglected to say for how long, Shelley said, inwardly delighted at her response. Something about filthy Henry was obviously rubbing off on her. I've come to get Henry out of custody. Bail him out, or whatever the correct term is, she said. Now just hold on a second, Trent said, breaking eye contact with her and shuffling some pages about the desk as he searched for something. There's a form or something I need here. Uh, I think. But you can't bail him out, as he's a suspect in an ongoing investigation. Behind her, Shelley heard the street entrance door open and close as someone entered the station. Footsteps tapped on the tiles behind her, each step accompanied by a leather creak. A large black leather suitcase was placed on the desk beside her. I'm here to see a Mr. Henry, the new arrival said, directly to Trent. First name. Apparently filthy. Shelley turned and faced the newcomer. He was dressed from head to toe in black. Black suit, 
two buttons with black shoes, a black shirt, and given the shirt buttons were not visible, a black tie. His black hair was brushed to the side, but something about it seemed unnatural to Shelley. She guessed it was a wig. Either that, or God had been cruel the day this man was born. His face was oddly familiar to Shelley, as if she had met or seen him somewhere before, but she couldn't tell where. Not that it mattered, as the man seemed to have all the manners of a certain incarcerated fairy detective. Excuse me, Shelley said, standing up straight. I was here first. You can't just barge in. The man held up his left hand, silencing Shelley. I'm a court-appointed representative of the law, here to speak to my client. I have no time for cues or order, miss whoever you are, as that means my client has no representation with him while you're standing there wasting my time. He turned back and smiled at Trent. So if you would be so good as to tell whoever needs to be told that Mr. Ted Ear is here. Ted Ear? Trent said. Yes, it's French. Do we have a problem? Unless, of course, you want me to lodge a formal complaint about your behaviour. Trent waved his hands before him and shook his head vigorously. No, 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 he said. No need for that at all. Right this way, Mr. Ear. Trent vaulted over the desk, with a landing that would have garnered zero points in the Olympics, as he stumbled back to a sure footing and guided the lawyer across the floor to the code-locked door that led into the private area of the station. He punched in the correct numbers, opened the door, waited for Mr. Ear to walk through, then followed behind, shutting the door, leaving Shelley standing alone in the foyer. You did not dare just do that, Shelley said, slamming her fist down on the buzzer and holding it there. I never asked for legal counsel, Filthy Henry said, sitting on the edge of the bed in his cell. In fact, I'm fairly sure you only get counsel, legal or otherwise, when you've been charged with something. I haven't yet. I'm in holding. You have too, Trent said, standing in the open doorway of the cell. I've charged you on suspicion of murder. Filthy Henry leaned back so he could rest his head against the stone cell wall and folded his arms across his chest. You can't charge somebody on suspicion, the fairy detective said. You can arrest somebody based on suspicion then later charge them with the crime you suspected them of committing. But you can't charge them just with suspicion of having committed a crime. An art student could get that thrown out of court. The fairy detective snapped his fingers to emphasise his point. Trent vigorously shook his head and pinched the bridge of his nose. Shut up, all right. You're charged with something, and counsel's been sent to give you counsel, so here he is. Did you actually graduate from training college? Or did you get the job because you got a million people to like a status on some social network? Filthy Henry asked, smiling. Trent glared at the fairy detective but remained silent. He was clearly not happy with how things were currently going, but really only had himself to blame. False arrests and stupid interpretations of the law were the remit of people who had nothing better to do than post anonymously on internet forums. Gardaí were meant to know exactly what it was they had to enforce, not just make a best guess and hope somebody joined the dots for them later on. I'd like to speak with my client now if I may, Gard O'Shea, a voice said from out in the hall. In the cell is fine. You may leave the door open and stand guard if you wish, but please ensure we're not disturbed in any way. By anybody. Trent gave Filthy Henry one final withering look, 
then stepped back into the hallway and gestured for the unseen speaker to enter the cell. He's all yours, Trent said. Just call when you need to be shown back out. With that, Trent marched out of sight. A well-dressed gentleman entered the cell, placing a black leather briefcase on the ground just inside the doorway. If Filthy Henry had not already known the man's profession, it would have been easy to figure out from his attire. The perfectly crisp suit and pure business attitude of the man suggested quickly that he was a lawyer. Something about his face gave Filthy Henry the impression that they had met before, but the man's deplorable wig was making it difficult to remember exactly where and when. There was also something else about the man that Filthy Henry could not quite put his finger on. Hello, Mr. Henry, the lawyer said. I'm Mr. Thedir. Is that German or something? Filthy Henry said. Also, just Henry will do. There's no need for the Mr. part. Mr. Ear looked at the fairy detective, confused. So, your first name isn't Filthy? Your name's actually Filthy Henry. Come, come now. Surely you have a surname. The fairy detective shrugged. Not one that I need people to know about. But back to the topic at hand. I never requested legal counsel, being that I'm not guilty of any crime. So who sent you? Mr. Ear seemed to grin at the question. You're afforded counsel from the moment you're taken into custody, Mr. Henry, regardless of whether under arrest or waiting to be charged with something. I represent a party who wish to remain anonymous in these affairs. A mutual associate of ours is concerned about your expiration. He wanted somebody here to ensure everything went smoothly. You did mean incarceration just there, right? Filthy Henry asked. He was starting to get one of those feelings in his stomach that usually indicated a clear and unpleasant danger. A feeling that had no doubt been passed along the human chain of evolution ever since the first monkey realised that the big cat with teeth the size of broadswords was not interested in a belly rub. Mr. Ear reached down to his briefcase and opened the latch. Filthy Henry flicked to his fairy vision but caught no glow from the case to indicate anything magical was inside it. Even the lawyer lacked any hint of the fairy world. Mr. Ear pulled something out of the case and stood up straight once more. No, no, Mr. Henry, the lawyer said, pointing a knife with a six-inch blade at him. I meant exactly what I said. The door behind the dusty desk was open so fast it should have been ripped clear from the hinges. Downey stepped out and swiped at Shelley's hand, pushing it off the buzzer button. Knock it off there, will you? He barked at her. I'm here about Filthy Henry, Shelley began. Let me stop you there. Filthy's been arrested by O'Shea for the murder of Meek. Despite the fact Trent should have no memory of the event, I assume you want him released. Does that about sum it up? Downey said. Shelley nodded. Then come along, will you? I need to give Trent the half-breed's alibi so he'll stop playing around. Suddenly there was a loud noise from further into the station something that sounded like an explosion. Just as the noise died down, every fire alarm started to ring, the hammers drilling against the bells like woodpeckers on steroids. Is that normal? Shelley shouted over the din. Downey simply shook his head. He lifted up a flap at the side of the desk and motioned for Shelley to follow him through to the other side. It had happened so quickly that Filthy Henry was caught off guard. Since being brought to the station, he had not been given anything to eat or drink, meaning his magical energy levels were a little lower than the fairy detective normally liked. 
He had enough for a few spells, but nothing major. Once the well of energy was gone completely, his fairy side would start to convert Filthy Henry's own body into magical energy. At least until it was provided with some food. Or he died. Whichever came about first. So to suddenly need a little magical help in order to keep living was going to be a delicate balance. There wasn't much point saving your own life if the method you used killed you. Do you know who I am? Filthy Henry asked, slowly standing up from the cot. Mr. Ear grinned and twirled the knife around in his left hand. Oh, I know all about you, he said. I do my homework. Plus, my employer made it clear that you'd be a little tougher than the average mark. Well, I guess you should have known better than to bring a knife to a fireball fight, Filthy Henry said. He brought both his fists up quickly, aiming towards the lawyer assassin. Leave road, Dayton! Two football-sized fireballs burst forth from the fairy detective's hands and flew straight at Mr. Ear, leaving little smoke trails in their wake. One was on course to hit the lawyer's head, the other his chest. With reflexes Filthy Henry had only ever read about, the lawyer assassin jumped backwards, cavorting in the air so that the lower fireball sailed past him and the higher one drifted over his head. As it went by, the bottom flames caught on his hair, which was clearly a wig, igniting it in a manner that would have been comical in a less serious situation. Both fireballs crashed into a notice board on the wall opposite the cell door. Is that the best you've got? Mr. Ear asked. He frowned, sniffed the air, then shook his head. The wig fell to the floor fully alight. Well, that could have gone better, Filthy Henry said, checking his internal magic levels. It was possible to conjure something a bit bigger, but the drain would have left him with very little magical juice in the tank. Mr. Ear started to toss the knife from hand to hand in a far too jovial manner, staring intently at the fairy detective. You've no more parlour tricks, the lawyer assassin asked, kicking the wig into the cell so that it landed on the cot. Right then the fire alarm started blaring, a shrill sound that rang through the station. Mr. Ear stepped back outside the cell, and looked up and down the hallway. We have a breakout! Somebody shouted. There was the sound of running feet, but Mr. Ear remained still. As a guard came into sight, the lawyer assassin ducked under the baton that was being swung, slicing at the man so that a large red stain appeared on his blue shirt. The guard toppled to the ground, while Mr. Ear whirled on his foot and brought his blade down hard into the man's neck. It happened so fast, Filthy Henry had no time to react to try and prevent it. Instead, while the killer attempted to pull his knife free, the fairy detective rushed towards him and slammed his shoulder into the lawyer assassin. Both of them crashed into the wall, dislodging the burning notice board, which promptly fell to the ground and set the carpet on fire. Without waiting to see what happened next, Filthy Henry stumbled to an upright position and started to run down the hall. Mr. Filthy, you really are being terribly inconvenient, Mr. Ear said watching Filthy run. All the doors on either side were ajar, the cells devoid of any lowlifes. Up ahead was a single door, also open, that led back out to the desk in the office area of the station. Filthy Henry ran as fast as he could towards it, only to see a figure step into view from the other side. He wore a high-visibility jacket over his guard uniform, the sort that a fire marshal would wear when guiding people out of a burning building. I really am sorry, Trent O'Shea said, pulling the door shut and leaving Filthy Henry stranded on the other side. 
Oh, I see how it is now, Filthy Henry said, grabbing the handle of the door and trying to force it open. Trent had locked it from the other side, and all the pounding in the world was not going to be heard with the fire alarm going. He looked over his shoulder and saw Mr. Ear rise up from the body of the fallen Garda, blade once more in his hand. Shall we dance? the lawyer assassin asked. Filthy Henry, The Impossible Victim, is book two of the Filthy Henry series by Derek Power. This completely free audiobook version was narrated by Niall Milton. Other Filthy Henry books are available to buy on Amazon Kindle.